Second Timothy chapter 2. Just as well, the system is not, PowerPoint is not working because my internet wasn't working, so I wrote my notes down, which is actually my favorite way of doing things. Okay, writing my notes on paper makes me think. And, um, yeah, exactly, the proper way. Now, Second Timothy, I'll read verse 1 and 2. And I want us to think about it. I urge then, first of all, that, not, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Scott begins by talking about the grace. God is always want Christians to be in grace and accept grace. Amen. And I think it's one of the topics I would like to teach at some point because grace is so crucial for our Christian life. And Satan's way is to distort God's grace in our minds. And so it's something we need to understand and walk in grace all the time. Because Satan causes us sometimes to abuse the grace of God. But Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. Verse 2, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Amen. I do love the book of Timothy. Second Timothy particularly is Paul's last letter he wrote. He was in a prison. And he's lonely. He's in Roman prison. And he's feeling quite alone. And in chapter 1 he says to Timothy, Everybody in the province of Asia has deserted me. Phygelos is gone. And Hermogenes is gone. I've been deserted. In chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Demas, who loved the world, has also deserted me. Then he goes on to say, Alexander, the metal worker. Now, what do metal workers do? They will probably have metal, dealing with metal. I wonder what harm he did to Paul. We just need to use our imagination. Did he smash his fingers with the thing? I don't know, but he said, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. He goes on to say, at my first defense, there was nobody there to support me. And uh, Paul is alone. And he thinks of Timothy. Wow. He thinks of Timothy. He said, I have Jesus and I have you, Timothy. Okay. And he said, um, my dear son, in chapter 1, verse 1, my, verse 2, he said, my dear son. That's how he calls Timothy. My dear son. There's um, a depth of relationship here. And again, as Christians, as we grow in our faith, one thing we need is strong relationships in the body. It is so important. It is so important. 
we need strong bonds in the body. And um, my, my, my daughter and I were talking and she's going to the teen camp and said, oh, I'm, I've taken my book, I'm going to. I said, no, 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 I want you to go and build relationships. That's what the camps are for. Of course, it's a bit of teaching, but really it, it, it builds relationship. I remember the time of retreats when I was a student. Okay. Is it, um, whether it's Brighton or Bognor Regis? I remember a group of guys sitting by the seaside and building stone. We just picked the pebbles and threw and threw and threw to the point where we couldn't see each other. Okay. Why am I saying this? Because I remember it. It was a stupid thing to do. But I remember it. And the sea was coming, and I realized some of us don't know how to swim. <laughs> some of us need to get out very quickly. Okay, but I remember that. I remember going to places where I think, man, this is scary. Why are the brothers asking us to do this? What if we die? Why were we doing this? We were building relationships. And 30 years later, honestly, I can pick a phone and phone any of those brothers, and they will pick it and help me out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We need relationship. We need relationship. Yeah. And, and, and Paul, in his lonely moments, thought of Timothy. Mm-hmm. He said, my dear son. Wow, my dear son. And I think um, the age gap between Paul and Timothy was huge, by the way. When Paul chose Timothy, he was a teenager. They met in Lystra. Timothy's father is Greek. Timothy, if you read, Paul says, your faith, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which was first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and has been passed on to you. Dad wasn't a disciple. You understand what I'm saying? But Paul picks Timothy, circumcises him, and takes him on a journey. Wow. Delivering the message of one, um, Acts 15, Council of Jerusalem. And I'm just thinking, this teenage guy was watching this apostle who so bent on the gospel, delivering this message. He was the one who caused the council to happen anyway because of this controversy of Jew Gentile. But he was training a young man. And I think mature brothers in this church, we need to take care of the young. Yeah. They are our future. When Timothy is died, Paul is in the prison. He's about to die. He said, the time of my departure has come. Who does he reach out to? Timothy. I'm here today. Believe me, our future in this church belongs to this young man. Scott and I will be gone soon. No, I'm not saying we should die soon. <laughs> but a young man, the future belongs to you. Amen to that. And mature brothers, we need to take this young man and walk with them. They need to rise up to lead the church. But we need to invest in them. We need to invest in them. And the same for the mature sisters and young sisters. We need to. Paul says, I recall your tears, man. He, he, he circumstanced this young man, walked with him for years, 
and then there was a departure and Timothy was crying Paul said I recall your tears and he said night and day constantly I pray for you wow that's amazing that's amazing what a bond what a bond and we need to have those bonds okay we need to have those bonds wherever we are the young men are left in Leicester believe me every day even they phone me I've seen missed calls from them and I thought wow I miss them, they miss me. That's fine. They need to grow in their faith. But I was in their lives. And they were in my life. Okay. Without announcing, even asking them, they were the guys who came to pack everything in the house. Because we'll have those bonds. And that's how it should be. But Paul is dying. And he's thinking, who is going to take the message forward? Timothy is the man he calls on. And if we go to chapter 1, verse 13, he, he says to him, What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen. Amen. Timothy, guard the gospel. You need to guard the gospel. I'm going. You need to guard the gospel. Wow. How would this get forward? Then in chapter 2 verse 2. And the things you have heard me say. You should not only guard the gospel. But I want you to pass it on. And the things you have heard me say. In the presence of many witnesses. And trust reliable people. Who also be qualified to teach others. Paul is almost repeating Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teach them to obey. Discipleship never stops with any of us. It should be passed on. Amen. To your children, to your friends. And Paul says in Corinthians that I'll work with all whose energy, his energy. It is hard work, but God will give us the strength. Amen. We need to do it. He said, but entrust to reliable men. Now, he said, there are many things I've said to you. Many things. But reliable men. The other, the Greek word say faithful men. You could say faithful men and women. Reliable men and women. So who qualifies to be reliable? That's what I want us to think about for a moment. Who qualifies to be reliable? That we should pass this message on to. Who qualifies to be reliable? First, it should be one who has chosen eternal objectives. What do I mean by that? The person who said, first the kingdom of God. The person who said, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Which means you are qualified to be reliable. Because you repented. You made Jesus the Lord of your life. Each one of us. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom. Is the kingdom the priority for your life? That's what it's all about. We all follow various professions. And it's important for us to be in our professions or whatever we do. Because the message needs to get out. But first the kingdom. Okay. And when we're looking for reliable men and women, it should be men and women who who say the kingdom is the priority in my life. We make kingdom decisions. We make kingdom decisions. 
I had been a disciple for how many years? 27 years before I was asked to come into the ministry. And I, and I confess, the first time I was asked, I said no. I said no. So it's not like they said, come into the ministry. I said yes, and I'm in the ministry. I remember that conversation. I said to the person, are you mad? You know. What about that person? What about that? I haven't been in the ministry before. Why now? I mean, I've been a disciple for 25 years. Why now? Okay. 27 years. Why now? No. And a whole year went by. And I was asking myself, why did I say no? Why did I say no? And, of course, I made a decision to be a disciple. Jesus is Lord. But over time... You get into your comfort zone. And if you were called at that point again to make that sacrifice, would you make it? Nobody would have questioned my commitment to the body of Christ or my evangelism or anything like that. Nobody could say, I'm lukewarm at that point in my Christian life. Every week I made it a point to study the Bible with people. You couldn't question me having my quiet time. You couldn't question me evangelizing or spending time with brothers. So why do I refuse to go into the ministry? And you know what? I think materialism has got into my heart. I enjoyed high salary. I was a governor for two schools. I was a trustee for three charities. One of the, but the charities are some, the chair. Had a big villa in France. All our holiday in France was held there, which we enjoyed. Now he's still a friend. In fact, the first time he said to me, use my villa, I said no. And I phoned him later and said, we're going to use it. And we went and it was three, my goodness. And we drive there and he gives, he said, you can have it for how many days you want. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are pets that comes with this, but your life become comfortable. The kingdom should be number one in our life. So I remember when then I accepted I'll go into the ministry. This time, a year later, when the call came, it wasn't in London anymore. Now they want me to go to Leicester. I thought, where is Leicester? You know. But I went. So I went to my boss. And uh, I put in my notice of resignation. And he said, I knew, I knew you were, you'd be headhunted. Have you been headhunted? I said, yes, I have. <laughs> I knew you'd be headhunted. Have you been headhunted? I said, yes, I have. Yes, I have. I've been headhunted. That's why I'm putting in my resignation. He said, whatever they are paying you, will pay you more. Whatever they are offering, will pay you more. How much are they offering? <laughs> and I told him... And he said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> Is that a joke? I said, it's not a joke. He said, why? I said, I'm going to work for a church. Then he opened his drawer. And uh, he brought his family crest. He's from aristocratic family. And the crest said, in Deo solo salus or something, in God alone is our trust. That is the family crest. Motto of the crest. He said, this is my family motto, but you have chosen the life. That's what my boss said to me. And then, uh, yeah. But my point is, 
sometimes the world can trap us. And we just need to be careful. I'm not saying if you're in a profession you are trapped by the world. That's not what I'm saying. Set your heart. First the kingdom. First the kingdom. So the person who will be reliable will be willing to pay the price. Because um, funny enough, in verse 3 and 4, it goes on to say, Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Um, you pay the, a soldier is committed to the cause, isn't he? Wow. And that's what we need to be. We are committed to the cause. We need to be reliable men and women. We need to have a love for God's word. A reliable person will be a man and woman in God's word. It's important. I think over the years, I don't even want to use the word quiet time. But it's important to be in the Bible. Okay. Just read the Bible. Don't read it because it is my set 10 minutes. Oh, read it to know God. Read it to know God. It is so important. Pick any book and read it. God will speak to you. Okay, read it to know God. And God will direct you in ways. The person should have a servant's heart. A reliable person should have a servant's heart. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 20 going, the two brothers wanted positions and he said, no, 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 that's the world. For the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. And we should always look for hearts to serve. And I do appreciate the Birmingham church. Man, I come and somebody is setting up something. You have hearts of service. Okay. Especially brothers. For me, I expect any brother to be willing to do communion or welcome or preach. Amen. But that means you need to be in the word. You cannot fake it. You need to be in the word. It needs to spring from God's word. So uh, that's why you need to be in the word to lead the church and to lead your families. It has to come from God's word. The Holy Spirit needs to lead. And you need to be in God's word. So reliable people will be servants but also love God's word. They will put no confidence in the flesh. They totally rely on God's strength and the Holy Spirit. And that is why we need to pray. We need to pray. A man or woman who doesn't pray is arrogant towards God. You are living a life on your strength. My goodness. You can take your breath away. You need God's strength and direction. Let's not put confidence in our flesh. When we plan church activities, not because we have great ideas, let's go to God in prayer. Let's fast. Let's rely on God. He will lead us. Amen. Amen. Reliable people are not independent spirits. Romans 12. Verse 5. One of my favorite verses. I'll read it actually. It's one of those scriptures when I first read it. It hit me. Because, oh yeah, I can come to church, but after church, don't talk to me. 
I'm going to play my football and hockey. And I'm going to do my things. And Romans 12 verse 5 reads, verse 4, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we do many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Amen. Can you imagine? Francesca belongs to me, I belong to her. We belong to each other. Wow. Francesca couldn't say, oh, Sunday morning I'm sleeping, you guys go and have communion. No, we belong to each other. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that? The lad cannot say, I'm not going with the rest of the body. We belong to each other, it would be weird. Imagine Primrose, he wants to go home and the leg says, no, I'm sitting here tonight. Wow, that would be odd. We belong to each other. We cannot be independent. That's why we check ideas with each other. Yeah. Guys, I'm buying a house. What do you think? I'm not saying they should dictate your, your preferences, but get advice. Get advice. I'm struggling with something right now. Somebody sent an email about me, which I think is not true. And I would like to respond. The email wasn't sent to me, it was sent to somebody else, and the person sent to me. And all the advice is, please don't respond. And guess what? I want to respond and put my facts and win the argument. But we belong to each other, don't we? Many advisors make victory sure. My whole intention is to write that email and respond to that person who sent the email. But the advice is don't. Don't respond. They lied. Let God deal with that. Wow. And I'm struggling with that. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the person who advised me and said, bro, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? But we belong to each other. We need to, sometime we need to listen to advice and hold back. Okay, we belong to each other. Independent spirits will kill our reliability. Reliable people should have love for people. If there is no love, you cannot be reliable. Okay, if you don't love people, people, ministry will be just frustrating. (laughs) If you don't love people, Christianity will mean nothing. Christianity will mean nothing. By your love, people will know you are my disciples. We need to love as Jesus did. If there is no love, we are in trouble. Okay. Reliable people do not allow self to become trapped in bitterness. Hebrews 12. As I shared, if I'm bitter by that email, I cannot be reliable anymore. I'll be biased. I'll be withdrawn. Okay, we cannot allow bitterness to control us. And if there is something between you and brother or sister, you know what? That's exactly what Satan wanted to be. And Jesus said, unless you forgive your brother from the heart, you shouldn't expect forgiveness from God. Wow. Can you imagine me getting to that door and they said, sorry, you didn't forgive Martin Mbote when he ate your meat. I mean, <laughs> that would be, be terrible. Exactly. 
So, finally, a reliable person needs to be disciplined. Not just the fiscal discipline of getting up on time and doing what they need to do, but I'm talking about the spiritual disciplines, and I always refer people to Acts 2, for example, 42 going. When they got baptized, what was the discipline in their life? They were devoted to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. They were in the temple culture. There are certain spiritual disciplines we need to have. And reliable people will do that. Reliable. There are certain techniques we learn, but it should come from the heart. It should come from the heart. Okay. And trust reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Imagine if in this room we all put that in practice. Next year, we will not fit in this room. Okay. I never counted growth by statistics. I counted growth by obedience. Seriously, if we obey the basics, it will just happen. It will just happen. I remember when my wife and I first moved to the south. We were given a, a family group to lead. And most of the people in our family group were physically challenged. Okay? Physically challenged. And I think when you are physically challenged, it's a gift that people don't understand. Because when you are physically challenged, you depend on God. In a special way that others don't. Okay? And I think Christians, we should always empathize and put ourselves in the shoes of the physically challenged. I was sharing with, um, oh, Mr. Sigwart, that when I was head of finance, one of the most hardworking women on my team had autistic child. So I bought a, a book on autism to read, to understand what she's going through. And um, if she phoned me any time, I'll say, just take the crisis, take the time off. Okay. I understood what she was going through. And her case was quite extreme, autism. And um, when I read that book a little bit, it did help me actually understand certain things. And one of the things, there are many things in those books, but... Uh, Imagine if we're in this room and these loudspeakers, there were hundreds in here playing different songs at the same time at loud volume. How would we feel? Okay. But our little boy, and God has put certain inhibitions in us. We block out many things and we say what we want to say at what, when we want to say it. Our little boy didn't have that. He had about Hundred speakers blowing different music loudly. That's what I read from this because the book was written by somebody who was actually autistic and sharing his experience. It did help me a lot. My point is, but these people also want connection with people. And yet, anyway, I won't go into more detail. So we had a a group that was mainly physically challenged people. So I said to the the regional leader, I said, look, 
These people are physically challenged. They can barely make it to church once a week. So let's not put any further burdens. They come to church on Sunday and they come to our house for lunch. That is our family group. They are church on Sunday and they come home and we have lunch. That is our family group. What we didn't know is by the end of the year, that group had baptized 15 people. We say, how did that happen? You see, they all have God. They all love God. And they come to church saying to their friends, come to church with me and we'll have lunch together. That's what they did. And their friends came to church and came home and we had lunch together. And I remember one person got baptized and the rest said, so when do we get baptized? I thought, that's a very good question. And they all studied Bible. And you think, so, it's a bit, it's not about just Love for God, the basics. God will do the rest. God will do the rest. So that will be my challenge for us. Okay, Let's just be obedient. Let's enjoy our Christian lives. And know that we want to pass it on to others. What you've heard me say to the presence of many witnesses. And trust reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. And I'm not saying all of us will be there now, but we are all striving. I've shared my story with you. When when I got baptized, I took my notes and started studying with somebody else. That's all I knew at that point. I didn't know the whole Bible. Okay, but as we grow as Christians, and I think that will be my next lesson on Bible study. A Christian five years, in my opinion, if I said, what is the theme of Hosea? I would expect a Christian of five years to be able to say, yes, the theme of Hosea is that. What is the theme of Exodus? What is the theme of Genesis? What is the theme of Matthew? You understand what I'm saying? We need to grow in our Bible knowledge to know God better. Okay. And it can be done. Ordinary on-school man. It can be done. It doesn't, you don't have to go to school of theology. Take your Bible, read. Now, I'm not saying you don't need some other resources, but even how you read your Bible matters, which is what we are going to talk about probably next time. Because taking the Bible and skimming through and putting it down won't get you anywhere. Or getting a, a podcast for five minutes won't get you anywhere. We need to get into the Word and read and know what God is writing, saying to us. If I got a letter from my wife and I skimmed through and put it, I won't understand it. I need to read it. And as I read, I'm thinking, what is she going through? What is she thinking? Why did she say that? Where is she writing from? What? I wonder, you understand what I'm saying? I need to go into her context and understand the heart coming from that letter. We need to do the same with the Bible. But as a church, we'll get there. Amen. We will get there. It's my prayer that we get into God's word. And when we live, it's not by legalism, it's by the grace of God. Okay, because we love God's word so much. So the question today is, thank you for the pounding, but we need to be reliable men and women with God's word. Okay. A heart that is first the kingdom of God. A heart that is loving. A heart that loves God's word. That will empathize with her. That's not independent. That is a servant. Okay, all these are important. 
for us to be reliable men and women. So that's all I wanted to share today. Okay, but it's great to be in Birmingham. Amen. Amen. If you have friends who would like to study the Bible, let me know. The women, let Jackie know. I love studying the Bible with people. So I would let you know that. If you have friends willing to study the Bible, I'll go anywhere to study with them. Young men, if you want to hang out, let's hang out. Okay, football, hockey, whatever you do. Okay, I'm not good with all this, um, what do you call the games? What? Whatever. Yeah. I don't even know the games. But uh, let me pray, and then uh, we'll have a time of fellowship. God, thank you so much that we can be together as brothers and sisters. We are here because of your blood. We are different tribes of nations, of color, of language, but you bring us as one in your sight. Thank you so much for that grace. And help us to know you better. Jesus said this is eternal life to know God. So that we may share what you've given us with others. We thank you. We pray for the family that was prayed for right now. The mother that will be going for operation. That you be with her and protect her. And uh, we pray for our children at teen camp right now. That they are having a great time learning and building relationships. We thank you for all you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We can have a time of fellowship. Get to know each other.